This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Uh, open up your Bibles to John chapter 3. That was Chinese there, if you didn't catch that, by the way. All right, well, I want to thank you. Uh, my wife and I and our two children want to thank you, Vision Baptist Church, uh, for uh, being our sending church, for being our home church, for uh, being a church that cared for us while we were on the field, for praying for us, uh, and for your support and partnership over the past couple years. Uh, it truly means a lot to us to have a church uh, like you behind us and, uh, and behind the mission that God has given us to do. And we just want to sincerely say thank you. Uh, and there's, there's not much more that I can do uh, but simply say thank you. Uh, and we just appreciate so much uh, what you've done for us over the past couple of years. Now, I want to give you a quick update, uh, maybe not as quick as like to be, but over, just kind of do a timeline of the past two years. Uh, what God has done in our lives over the past two years, uh, and then we'll get into John chapter 3. We left for the field on August 10th, 2010. Uh, As many of you remember, we had the the send-off service here right before. Uh, We left for the field, we landed on the field, and it took us about 45 days to get everything set up, find a house, uh, get everything settled. Uh, Then at the end of those 45 days, we started language school. As you can imagine, and you saw on the screen, uh, Chinese is one of the easiest languages in the world to learn. Uh, you saw there, it's just all those little letters. Uh, but no, it's actually one of the hardest languages uh, in the world to learn. Uh, but we were motivated, and we knew that if we were going to communicate who Jesus was to people who have never heard of him before, that we were going to have to do some hard things, and one of those things uh, was learn Chinese. Uh, and so our, our daily schedule was pretty much get up, uh, go to the church there. We were working with the Tavi family and we'd go to the church there and I'd sit in a room uh, with another guy and we'd just sit there, me and a Chinese guy, and I would say things and he'd look at me and he'd say it was wrong. Uh, and then we'd say it over again and we'd say it over again and we'd say it over again and we'd just look at this paper and it's just me and him uh, going back and forth. And that was pretty much what our day looked like. Missions wasn't very exciting at that time, Brother John. Uh, just sitting there and sitting in a room and just uh, talking. But eventually we started making progress. Uh, and after several months, Jake uh, came to me and said, why don't you try to preach in Chinese uh, at about six months? And I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll try it. And so I prepared a sermon in Chinese. Uh, I took it to my language school teacher, and I showed it to him, and he says, it's all wrong. All right, let's start over. So I gave my sermon to him and let him correct it a little bit, and he pretty much changed the whole thing, but, you know, kept the same verse. And so uh, that was okay with that. And so we, we, I studied it with him. And uh, if you ever meet him, his, his name is his English name is Levi, and you'll understand. Uh, but he's he's a lot like me in personality, I guess. Uh, and so he's there, and he's helping me with the uh, the sermon, and we corrected it, and we studied it, and memorized it, and went over it. And and I can't I cannot tell you how many times I went over that sermon. Uh, but right at the six month point, uh, we were able to stand up in front of the church and preach uh, for five minutes. Uh, so we started seeing the Lord blessing our efforts and uh, just answering a dream that he's called us there to do. Uh, so we continued studying. And then right after we were there about a year, uh, we were at church on Sunday morning. Jake and Steph had come back to the States for a short furlough. And we were there. And also in the back door in the, on, in the service, it opened up and uh, a big line of people started walking in. 
And honestly, I was sitting here on the front row like one of these guys. I looked around. I saw, I saw them coming in. And I just thought to myself, I said, where did these visitors come from? You know, we have been passing out flyers and we have been doing all kinds of things. Uh, we are just where where all these visitors come from. And then all of a sudden my smile kind of turns to a frown when like the third person back uh, was wearing a police officer's uniform. And so they came in and he yelled and he said that the, for the preacher to stop, one of the Chinese guys that Jake was training was preaching. And he yelled for the service to stop, and they all proceeded up to the front. Uh, they let everybody know that the service was illegal and shouldn't have been taking place. They announced where they were from. Uh, they put the foreigners on one side, and they put the Chinese on one side, and they took down everybody's information. Uh, and they actually ended up taking three of the Chinese guys into the police station for questioning. And it was a really encouraging time, even though it maybe doesn't sound encouraging right now, but it was an encouraging time because as we were going through this, the the guys really came out on the other side and much of the church came out on their side, uh, encouraged to continue serving the Lord uh, in spite of what the police were going to do, in spite of the police coming in and saying things were illegal. Uh, They even came to me. I guess they knew that foreigners were there because they brought a translator. uh, And they asked me, they said, have, are you the priest here? And that's the way they had translated it to me. And I said, uh, well, what do you mean by priest? And they say, well, have you ever preached before? And I, th- I was thinking to myself, well, I got my five minutes in. So, yeah, I preached here before. And, uh, and they said, well, you're not allowed to do that. And I said, okay. So, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, if you want to preach in China, you have to go register with the government. And I said, okay. I said, how do I register with the government? And he says, I'm not really sure, but I'm sure you can find out online if you just go do a search. I said, all right, well, we'll just uh, check that out. Uh, but they released the, the guys that were taken in for questioning. They released them later that evening. And uh, one of the guys there, Thomas, uh, he stayed in contact with one of the police officers. And he stayed in contact, and he basically called them and let them know and said, hey, we're going to continue having services, so you might as well go ahead and tell us right now if you're going to come back next week. He says, because we're Christians, what we do as Christians is we assemble and we study the Bible and we pray and we sing songs, we worship our God. And we're not really going to stop doing that just because you say we can't. Uh, So we need to work out some kind of deal. And you might as well go ahead and tell us because, you know, we need to know what to do here. And so they were working with them and the police at the end of the day basically said, we said, well, you cannot go back to the the big space that you're renting. We're probably renting a space that could seat 200 people uh, at the time. And they say, you can't go back to that space, but if you happen to invite people to your house and you happen to study in your house and you happen to pray and sing with a few other people, not a lot of people, just a few other people, uh, we're probably not going to have any trouble as long as the neighbors don't complain. Uh, and so they continued uh, to meet in a location. They stopped using the larger location. They uh, used a smaller location. They continued to meet there. Uh, and from that day, they haven't really had any more trouble with the police. Uh, so we praise the Lord for uh, putting the church through that and, and just strengthening uh, his servants there and just seeing what he has done uh, there. And we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, in December of that same year, uh, my wife had a, gall, a gallbladder attack. Uh, she was, right, is that gallbladder? Right. Seven to eight, she was about seven to eight months pregnant. And uh, it was a scary time for us. Uh, Jake and Steph were back in the country. Uh, we were going to the, the hospital at, I think, it was 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we couldn't get many answers there. We ended up having to fly to Beijing. Uh, we stayed in Beijing for two months until uh, she was able to deliver the baby and then had surgery uh, shortly after that. And so we just want to praise the Lord for even in that time for keeping us safe and allowing everything to go smoothly uh, during that time. When I came back in the following year, it was, it was in uh, March of the following year, 
uh, we went back to the church and Jake asked me, he says, do you want to start teaching Sunday school now? Now, I had just been in Beijing for two months not doing language school. And then Jake has the audacity to ask me to start teaching Sunday school. Uh, and so I said, well, I said, I'll do it. And something incredible happened, at least it was incredible in my, my eyes. Uh, when we were stuck and forced to kind of be in Beijing, I was kind of disappointed at the time because, you know, I wasn't doing language school. There's, you're living in a city of 18 million people. I'm sure there's something to do. But in a city that size, there's not, you, you just kind of get lost. You're not sure what to do. And we are staying kind of in the, in the downtown part. And, uh, and so what I spent my time with doing was just kind of, I said, well, I'll just study the Bible extra and read it through in Chinese and try to translate it, try to understand it and work on it more and more and more. And when we came back and Jake asked me to teach, I said, I'm ready to teach. And what happened is when through that time of studying, uh, my Bible vocabulary just built up so, so much. And I had all that in there from all that extra time of study. And so when I was starting to teach, it's like it was just there. I had the foundation from language school before, added with that extra time of Bible. And it just the Lord used that to help me be able to start teaching Sunday school class. Uh, so we started teaching a Sunday school class there and we uh, saw some some fruit from it. We were able to baptize one before we left. Uh, and then we are coming to the end of our language school. And uh, I guess that was four or five months now. Uh, we we're coming to the end of two years. And we knew at the end of two years that we were going to break off and start our own ministry or start our own church. Uh, but we did not know exactly where. Uh, we didn't know where God was leading us at the time. And so we were praying about Harbin and we were praying about other cities around China. And there was a, one other city that really the Lord touched our heart on, a city called Dalian. Uh, so Jake and I, we took a survey trip. We got on a train. Uh, you know, we do things kind of sporadic. We were talking about it on Sunday and we called and said, well, can we get train tickets for tonight? And we got on the train that night and we just headed down there. Uh, we went there and we just surveyed the whole city in a day. We just went uh, everywhere. We got there at like five or six in the morning. And then we got on a train that night or a plane that night. I forget what we did. And we, and we came back uh, the next day. And while we were there, it was a lot different than the city that we were in. Uh, we didn't really sure to think about it. But we were praying about it. And we were praying about advancing the gospel to the next city. Uh, and through the end of it, we felt that the Lord was directing us uh, to go to that city. And so four or five months ago, we moved to that city. And it was a struggle for us to move to that city. And one of the reasons was is because wherever you are in China, you can just feel this great need of the gospel. One of the things in Harbin that almost kept me from leaving is how it's growing so uh, fast. Everywhere you go, you, you could go to the top of our apartment building, which is about 17 stories tall, and you could count over 100 cranes building new, new skyscrapers all over the city. And there's just so many people coming into the city and so many people moving there, and so many people that need the gospel witness. But then we go to the next city, in a city of 6 million people. And you see the same thing. You see towers and buildings and all these things. You see all these people. And you say, well, somebody here needs to bring the gospel to them. And then we pass all these villages and all these cities on the train going out, just looking out the train windows. And you say, who's taking the gospel there? Who's reaching them with the gospel? And it's just everywhere you go, there's just so much need of the gospel in the country of China. And one of the things that we want you to do in 2014 is come with us on a vision tour and we want you to see China. We want you to see the need. We want your eye to affect your heart. And if you come to China, I promise you that you'll come back a different person because China is a place that will change your life. And so I hope you'll sign up for that. I hope you'll come to, come on that trip. Uh, but we moved to Dalian and we got to Dalian and we were alone. 
nobody else was there. We didn't know any other missionaries there. We didn't know any other Americans hardly there. Uh, and so we went and uh, we started having Bible studies. And it was really exciting. We had a high attendance of four on our first Bible study. Uh, me, my wife, and my two children. And uh, so it was an exciting time. Uh, I forced them to come. They didn't really want to come. No, I'm just... Uh, but so we were studying the Bible there and uh, I was a little discouraged uh, just because we had uh, we invited some people and we had maybe one person come here, another person come there. But nobody's coming regularly and not really a lot of people are coming. And so one day I went out and I said, I said, Lord, I said, I really uh, want just pray that you can lead me to somebody uh, that would be interested in studying the Bible, interested in what we're doing here in the city uh, for you. And I remembered when Harbin, we were carrying, I was carrying Bibles that we just bought from a bookstore. And a lady ran up to me, as right before I went into my apartment, and she said, are those Bibles? And I said, yes, they're Bibles. And she says, do you have a church in your house? And I said, no, I don't have a church in my house. I said, but I do go to a church not far from here. And so we invited her to church. And, and that, that kind of, I remembered that happening. And I said, so maybe if I go out and walk around with a Bible, and it's just obvious, maybe it'll happen again. You know, it's not, it's kind of... I'm not sure if it would. And so I went to the university where I'm studying, uh, continue studying Chinese at a university. And I started walking around campus just with a Chinese Bible in my hands. And I walked around for about two hours. Uh, if you don't believe me, I, you can look at my Nike GPS app and you can see the little trail that I walked there. And uh, I walked around and uh, didn't meet anybody. Nobody came up to me. And I'm like, man, this probably wasn't a good idea, you know. And so I'm going back to the taxi. And as I'm walking to the taxi, there's three guys over uh, to the side, and this one guy, he's kind of doing this double double take. He keeps looking back over at me, and I said, all right, I'm going to talk to him. So I make it over there, and he says to me in English, he says, is that a Bible? And I said, yes. I said, are you a Christian? And he says, yes. I said, well, do you go to church anywhere around here? And he says, no. He says, I don't go to church here. He says, I've been here for about two years uh, studying in the university, and I can't find a church. And I said, well, would you be interested in studying the Bible? Would you be interested in going to church? And he says, I'd be very interested. And I said, well, we're having Bible studies at our house right now. Uh, but in the future, we want to start a church if you want to come. And so we exchanged numbers right before we left. And then he started coming. Then he invited somebody else to come. Uh, and so we started studying. And we studied through salvation. And he was saved. Uh, and we studied through baptism. And he realized he wasn't baptized. Uh, so we took him out to the ocean. He got baptized in the ocean. Uh, and then we continued having Bible studies. And they wanted to bring more friends. Uh, but our house was a little bit too far. It's about 45 minutes for, from a bus, for a bus ride uh, to get to our house. And so they said, well, if we have something closer, we can bring more friends. But until then, we can't really bring a lot of, a lot of friends. And I said, okay, well, let's rent something closer to uh, where you live. And so we went out and we were out looking for a place to rent, an apartment, something close to their school. And uh, as we were walking, I was walking with two guys. And we came to a spot. And just about three weeks before that time, I was walking over there and, I was, and the Lord just brought it back to my mind. that I was there praying and asking God to do something great in this city. And I had, at that time, I had no idea where I was. I was just kind of surveying the city, just walking around by myself. And I remember at that time, I was praying that God would do something. Now there's two guys here helping us to look for a location uh, to rent to have Bible studies near the university. And we just saw God do some amazing things, just answer so many specific prayers uh, for us. Uh, we found a place, we rented a place, uh, and then they, they started inviting their friends. Uh, we started having Bible studies on Tuesdays, on Sundays. Uh, we did an outreach on Fridays, uh, and they would just bring their friends in uh, and, and by the dozens, and we'd have a good time. We'd give them free Bibles if they didn't have a Bible. Uh, we'd talk to them about the gospel. We'd teach them. Uh, we saw one that got saved. 
Uh, and we have many who are considering Christ who haven't made a decision yet. Uh, it's a little bit different maybe uh, in China than it is here. Uh, most of the people that probably come to our church, at least at first, aren't Christians. Uh, they come and they're maybe interested in learning about uh, Christianity, uh, but they're not Christians. And we even had people that come. Uh, they were helping me give out gospel tracts. They were helping us give out invitations to the church. Uh, they were pretty much looked like a church member, uh, but they weren't Christian yet, Christians yet. And uh, we constantly have to remind them you're not a Christian by participation uh, in, in the church, but you're a Christian uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we're going through and we're studying them. Uh, and we told them, we said, when we come back, we're going to start a church. Uh, and if you want to come back and you want to help us, uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, so by the end of our four months there, three or four months, however long it was, uh, we were able to find a strategic location to start a church. Uh, we were able to get a list of contacts to invite when we go back. Uh, we were able to mobilize one man who is interested in helping us uh, start the church. He's going to help us with the music and things like that when we go back. Uh, so we're excited to get back in March, Lord willing. And I uh, just ask that you continue to pray for us uh, and pray for God to do a great work there in the city of Dalian. Now open your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And as you're turning there, a pastor in Ohio asked me, he said, what are some, what's a better way that we can partner with you in the new year? When I was coming back, he asked me this question. And I said, after my uh, long experience of two years on the field, uh, I said, the thing that really impacted me the most really is prayer. And I said, people praying for us and letting us know that they're praying for us and really spending time in prayer, that has really impacted us. And I said, the thing that can maybe move that to the next step, I said, is getting involved or knowing more about what's going on in our ministry uh, so that you can pray more. So you can pray more specific. Uh, you know, and you can do that through uh, on the back of our prayer cards. We have email addresses. We have phone numbers. You can subscribe to our blogs and we try to keep people updated. Uh, but through knowing that and through knowing, hey, this person's coming to your church and I can give you a name and you can pray for them and you can intercede on their behalf and you can help us and you can labor with us uh, even more so in this year through prayer. And we can see God do something great. But here in uh, John chapter three, uh, we're going to start reading here in verse twenty two. Uh, this is a very familiar passage uh, in John 3. Uh, they've got the story of Nicodemus here. It's a very famous chapter. A lot of people uh, read John 3. They go, through, they go through it. They read it. They love it. They understand it. But at the end of John 3, you got this little kind of discourse here about John uh, the Baptist. And I think a lot of times it might get overlooked. And I just want us to study this uh, real quick. Starting in John 3, verse 22. It says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also baptizing in Enon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast in the prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptized, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth and rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. 
The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity uh, to be able to stand in this pulpit and to present your word. Lord, help us to uh, see your word for what it says. Lord, help it to change lives and change hearts, Lord, and that we may learn the truth and apply them to our lives, Lord, and that we may glorify you more uh, as we go out of this place. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we open up here in verse 22, uh, talking about Jesus and his disciples. What are they doing? They're there baptizing. Uh, and then you see John the Baptist with his disciples, and they're there baptizing. And we know from chapter 4 and verse 1 that Jesus actually wasn't baptizing, but it was his disciples that were baptizing. Uh, and so they were there. And just an interesting note here, uh, since we're Baptists and we like uh, ba- talking about baptism, we like the doctrine of baptism, uh, one of the things that you'll find in China, and I confirmed this with Jake before, uh, I've been saying it since I've been back, but uh, I confirmed it to make sure he's never heard of anybody, uh, but I've never asked uh, a Chinese person who or a Christian who's come from another church or another ministry uh, and have them give me the correct answer about baptism. You hear about all the Christian movement that's taking place in China, and you hear about all the, 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 the mass revival that's taking place. But I have never met, and I asked Jake to confirm, and he has never met or never asked a, a, a Chinese Christian and them give the correct answer, who did not get saved in our church, one of the churches, uh, and them give you the correct answer what baptism is. Most of the time you ask them and you say, what is baptism? And they'll say, baptism is to wash away your sins. And you say, so if you don't get baptized, you can't be saved. And they'll say, correct. Baptism is essential for salvation, is what they, they will tell you. And we go through and we have to constantly let them know it's not, through, uh, the, it's not through baptism that your sins are washed away, but it's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that your sins are washed away. And you've got to make that clear. And it just is a sign that shows the Christian state in China, even the part that, that say that they're Christian. There's so many cults and so many false doctrines that are filled in a lot of the house churches there. And that's just a side note, but that's there. They're talking about baptism. Verse 24, uh, for John was not yet cast in the prison, kind of give us a time frame here. Verse 25, then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And so they have a question and they're coming up to John. They're asking him about this and they're saying, hey, there's this guy that you witnessed of and he's out witnessing and more people are following him than are following you. Now, when they come and they're asking this question, do you think they have a good motivation in in their question? I don't think their, their motivation is good. I think they're trying to provoke John the Baptist. They're trying to provoke him. Because if you look here in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Anytime that you're trying to use this comparison language, usually it's not for the benefit of the, of the person. Uh, they're trying to provoke him to jealousy. And what we're going to see and what the rest of the verses are, John's answer to them. And as they're trying to provoke him and trying to uh, get him maybe off track and, uh, and, and maybe get jealous, John very much knew his position. John very much knew his purpose. And we're going to see that as, as he gives us uh, his answer. Uh, verse 26, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, Behold, the same baptized, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven above. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, 
but I am sent before him. And so the people that are questioning here are ones who have already testified uh, or, or heard the testimony of John the Baptist. They already know that John the Baptist said, hey, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not that prophet that's coming. I'm not the Lamb of God. I am not who you think I I am. And you've already heard me testify this. And he's saying, look, you guys heard my testimony. You know the purpose. And you go back to John 1 and you can study that and you can see everything that John the Baptist said. And he's saying, look, you guys have already heard this. You guys already know. He says, but understand, nobody's going to receive it. Even if I've already told you once and I'm getting ready to tell you again, nobody's going to receive it unless he receives it from heaven above. He's saying, unless God does a work in your life, you're not going to receive it. And God has to do a work in your life and God has to do a work in in my life. And God has to do a work in every person's life in China. When we go through it, our job is simply to proclaim the gospel, is to teach the book as clear and the best that we can. And sit back and just let God work and let God do something in their lives. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what John the Baptist, he's here saying, look, guys, I've already told you this. And you might not believe me, but it's God that's going to have to do a work. It's God who's going to have to change your life. But that did not stop John the Baptist from doing a couple things. And I think the first thing that we see here in the chapter is that he exemplifies the humble attitude needed to proclaim Christ. He exemplifies that humble attitude needed to proclaim Christ. John the Baptist knew one thing. It's not about me, but it's about him. It's not about me, but it's about Jesus. I'm just a forerunner. I'm just coming to point the way to him. I'm just coming that people will know him. And so when, if you just imagine, I'm I'm sure he was thinking when they came and and he's saying, hey, more people are starting to follow Jesus than are following you. What are you going to do about it? I'm sure in his heart he's saying, yes, sir. Amen. That's exactly what I want to happen. That's the reason I came. So people would follow Jesus. Not so they would follow me, not so I'd have some great kingdom or some great church or some great following. He says, I came and my purpose in my life, everything is wrapped up in the simple purpose of people following Jesus. And so when people start following Jesus and stop following me, I'm not going to get jealous. I'm going to rejoice. And he gives an example there and he says, hey, when you go to a wedding, he says, is it about you, the friend, or is it about them? And so when you see what's taking place at the ceremony, you rejoice because you see it happening. You see two coming, you're a friend, you're watching it on the outside. And he's saying, hey, when you see a sinner and you see Jesus and you see them coming together, he says, that's the purpose. And as a friend on the outside, I rejoice when that takes place. I rejoice when the sinner follows Jesus Christ because that's the purpose. And as a friend, somebody who's already experienced that, I rejoice and my my joy is fulfilled when I see that take place. And when you hear of conversions in China, you hear conversions here or in India or anywhere around the world, your joy should be fulfilled. You should rejoice in that because that's exactly what you're there watching. When you are sitting here and you're praying and you're seeing the ceremony take place all around the world and you see a sinner get united with Jesus, and you see it taking place, your joy should be fulfilled. And you say, that's exactly what we're here for. That's exactly why I spent last night in prayer. That's exactly why I share the gospel. That's exactly why I teach the Bible. That's exactly why I come to church. Could you see it taking place? And John, he says it so clearly in verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase. Jesus must increase. But I, John the Baptist, must decrease. Jesus must increase. But I, Mark Tolson, must decrease. He says it so clearly and so simply. He says, he says, I must decrease. 
and Jesus must increase. And it's very easy in China for Mark Tolson to increase. Not necessarily just in weight, as you see, I did decrease a little bit. Uh, but as you're there, and for being a white guy in a city of all Chinese people, uh, uh, having a family uh, with blonde hair, uh, blue eyes, uh, and everybody else around you uh, is, is darker skin and has black hair, and they all look to me, they all look the same, and we're the only ones that look different. It's very easy for, to draw them to myself. Just for me to speak English uh, and to draw them into me, it's very easy. But I try to make it so apparent. If you're coming on the me and you want to be my friends, I try to be friendly to you. Uh, I, I try to talk with you and I try to learn their culture and their language and doing many of these things. But if you're going to spend any amount of time with me, we're going to be talking about Jesus. And many times they will come and uh, we'll try to do English outreaches and we do all those things. And people will come. They say, hey, I came for the English, but I'm not interested in the Bible, so I'm not coming back. I said, well, sorry, we're going to keep teaching the Bible, uh, but if you, want to keep come, if you want to come back another time, you're definitely welcome to come. Because we had to realize one thing, it's very easy to draw a crowd. But if we're going to follow John the Baptist, we're going to have to say that Jesus must increase. We have to constantly let them know we're here because of Jesus. Our job is to let you know about Jesus and to show you who Jesus is. And that's exactly what John the Baptist does. The next thing I see there is that he testifies to the preeminence of Christ. He's, he only humbles himself, but when he tells them about Christ, this is what he does. He takes Christ and he lifts them up really, really, really high. He says, I'm not talking to you about some average guy. And when we're there in China, and I know Jake's done to listen to his preaching, and, and we try to do it now that we're in Dalian, and say, hey, we didn't just leave our families. We didn't leave just America because we think your country's the coolest country in the world. So we came here to let you know about a guy that's not just some average guy. Whatever it is in your mind, whatever your concept is of the highest being, he's higher than that. He is the most high. And John the Baptist gets right into that in verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And so he's saying there, he said, listen, the person that I'm talking to you about, Jesus Christ, he is above all. He is the creator. He is the one that, that, that created you and I. He is our judge. He is our savior. He, he is the one that we should look to. And you go through and he continues explaining about who he is. Verse 32. And what he has seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has said to his seal that God is true. He's saying here, look, if you're going to believe in Jesus, then you're accepting of God. But if you're going to, if you want to believe in God, you also must be believing in Jesus. He says you can't divide the two. And so believing in one is believing in the other. You can't say I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. You can't say I believe in Jesus and don't believe in God. He says you, you, you put the two together. And then verse 34, he says, for he whom God has sent, we know that he is sent from God. Also in John 3, 16, he says, he is sent from God, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. So not only do we hear we have Jesus and he presents him as the one who's above all. He's saying the words that he is speaking are the words of God. And he goes on in verse 35. The father loveth the son. He shows us that relationship between the two, him being the son of God. And hath given all things into his hand. You understand what he's doing here? He's saying, look, 
The person with all authority and all power in their hands is Jesus. The person who speaks the words of God is Jesus. The person who is above all is Jesus. Listen, I'm talking to you about a guy named Jesus. He's just not an average Joe. He's just not another God. But he is the God. He is the one that has all authority and power. And I want you to see him as high and lifted up because that is who he is. And when we speak of Christ, we speak of him in absolute terms. Say, what does that mean? Well, you have absolute truth. We'll simply say, uh, somebody can say, this is wood. And you say, no, I think it's steel. And you can say, well, as long you can think it's steel as much as you want, but it's wood. No matter what you say, it's always going to be wood. Now, if I ask you, I say, is it hot in here? Is it cold in here? A lot of people say it's hot. Other people say it's cold. Other people say it's just fine. You all would be correct. It's relative to you. But when we're speaking of Christ, we don't speak in relative terms. We don't speak of, oh, it might be true for you and it may be true for you in this part and you can make this up. No, we speak in terms of absolute truth. And so when we take a Chinese person and we take them studying through the book here, and we say, look what the Bible says about Jesus. It says he's above all. It says he's speaking the words of God. It says that all authority and power is into his hands. It's rather, that's 100% true, it's 100% false. So you rather have, can reject it or you can believe it, but you have to consider it. And you have to go through and you have to consider when somebody makes that absolute claim to see if it's true or if it's false. And with so much going on in China and so many things that take place uh, in, inside the country, and so much Christianity and cults and, and things like that happening around, and so many people wanting to get in and, and see people converted to what they believe, uh, we try to teach them there. And I try to think of what is a question that they would be asking. When somebody hearing me preach the gospel for the first time, uh, after they get done, what are some things they're asking? What are some maybe things we can say to help them understand that what we're saying is a little bit different than what everybody else is saying? And so I try to get them and I wrote down some things. I'd say Christianity never asks you to serve man, but to serve God. Christianity will never ask you to serve man, but to serve God. And you see that in John the Baptist. He never asked him to serve himself. But he's saying, hey, you need to follow the guy I'm telling you about. You need to follow the true light. Christianity doesn't ask you to put your faith in man, but faith in the God-man, Jesus. The God-man that we're talking about is something that, that nobody else uh, in any other religion can understand. Most religions around the world have a man or a succession of men there to follow or even worship, but Christianity isn't so. We worship the one true God. In Christianity, God uses men to accomplish his purpose, and he does so through men denying themselves so they can show himself strong and the one worthy to be praised. He is going to use men. He is going to use uh, people like us. And he's going to use his church. But he's going to do it in such a way that people will see that he is the one worthy of praise, not us. And you read through John the Baptist's life and you say, he's really not the guy worthy of praise here. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And I say, if any preacher doesn't lift up Christ like John the Baptist, stay away from him. Stay away. And we had that happen right before we left. We had a cult come in and they started talking to some of our people and they were meeting with them outside of our Bible study times. And uh, they didn't tell me at first and they were meeting and they got really confused. And they finally they came to me and they said, hey, th- this guy's been talking with us, but everything that he says is different than what you say. And there's we, we're not sure what to do. And I say, well, is he saying that that salvation is, is faith in Jesus Christ? And they say, no. I say, well, is he saying that we should believe in the Bible? And they say, no. Saying, well, what is he saying? And he turns all those things away, and we end up meeting with them. And I, 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 I didn't want to argue with them, but they came, and they were trying to argue with me. And I just took them. I said, Galatians 1, I said, according to the Bible, there's only one gospel. 
I say, well, what, that, what is that gospel that, that Paul's describing there in, in Galatians 2? He explains what the gospel is. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And they looked at me and they said, we disagree. That's not what the gospel is. And I say, hey, you can come to church. Maybe you believe, maybe you don't believe. But if you're coming here and you want to know the truth and you want to know about that, and a person is not lifting up Christ, stay away from them. Because it's not biblical Christianity in any means of the, any means of the term, however you want to say that. So he, he lifts up Christ and he takes him really, really high. When you and I witness and we, we, we tell each other, tell others of, of Jesus Christ and who he is, you need to make sure to take him and lift him up in his rightful position and say, hey, I'm speaking to you about Jesus. And when you say that, they should understand who he is and explain those terms. And finally, he tells the necessity of believing in Christ and the consequence of rejecting him. Verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He brings it down so simple. He says, if you believe in the Son, you have life, and if you don't believe in the Son, you don't have life. Now we know that a person needs to understand that they are a sinner and that every man is has sinned and is under the power of sin and you go through Romans, you guys are studying in Romans and, 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 and Trent preached uh, and you understand that we all have sinned against a holy and righteous God and that there is none that seek after God and there's none that do any good and I would go through and we're studying there and say, well the Bible says there that no man does good but I do good and that got me thinking for a minute, I said well I guess you might be able to do good but the Bible says you don't do good so what's What's the answer there, Brother John? And so we're, we're talking about it, and I was trying to think about it, and, I, and I, I just said, well, really, you don't do good. I say, if you took this, this bottle of water here, I said, this bottle of water is 100% good. And I said, you can drink it, and it's not going to do any harm to you. It's going to be uh, helpful to your, to your body. And I said, but if you took a small drop of poison and you put it into the water, the water would be contaminated. But I did not take any of the good water out. All of the good water is still in there, Micah. I didn't take any of it out. Do you want to drink it? You say, no, I want to drink it because you added some poison. But even though all the good in there, water in there, if you gave it to a plant, it would be helpful. All that, all that good is still in there. If you add that drop of poison, it ruins all of the water. And you and I, when we're speaking in spiritual terms, no matter how much good that we've done, no matter how much good in our life, when you add just a small drop of sin into our lives, when you stand before God, he sees the whole thing. He says it's of none use. It's of no use. You can't use it. It's not useful for anything because it's contaminated. Even though it did contain all that good water, we didn't take any of it out because it has some in there. He's saying, if it's not useful, it's of no good. And so you can't do any good in God's sight. And we go through and say, look, you have failed. You have sinned. And before God, you are a sinner. And he's going to judge sin. And the price of sin is death. And one day you will die. And one day you will go to a place called hell. But there's hope. There's hope that's presented in the Bible. Not only does it bring this message of condemnation, but it brings a message of life. And he says here in the verse, he says, the difference, the dividing factor between the two is faith in Jesus. If you have the Son, you have everlasting life. If you don't have the Son, then the wrath of God still abides upon you. But he says there's a way out, and he makes that way through Jesus. If you will trust in him, you believe that he died on the cross, and he paid the price for your sins, and he rose again from the dead. And all we have to do is simply believe in him. And we believe in his resurrection power, that he did rise from the grave, and that everything that he said uh, was proven to be true, and that he has all authority and power to save us. And we trust in him and we become a new creature 
And he changes our lives. And so what's the difference between an unbeliever and a believer? An unbeliever and a believer, they both are sinners and are found guilty. But a believer hears the truth and receives it. An unbeliever hears and doesn't receive the truth. A believer's sin, a believer's sin is already parted. But an unbeliever is still in their sin. And so this evening, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself in the believing category? Or do you find yourself in the unbelieving category? And it would be a shame for us to go to China and present the gospel to hundreds of Chinese people. And let them hear a clear presentation of the gospel. And yet you sit here and you will not receive the gospel for whatever reason it may be. And today, there's one thing I want you to see. I want you to see Jesus is high and lifted up. That John the Baptist took him and said, look, he is above all. Whatever it is in your mind that you're thinking about is the greatest. He's saying he's so much greater than that. He says, your life is a mess. You heard it this morning. Your life is full of sin. But Jesus came to take care of that problem. And he offers you the forgiveness of sins. And he offers to make you a new creature in him. Will you receive him? Will you trust in him? And for those of us here who have already believed and we're in the believing category, are we acting like John the Baptist when we present the gospel? Are we denying ourselves and lifting up Christ? Are we exemplifying that humble attitude needed to proclaim Christ? That people know when I'm giving them the gospel that it's not about me, but it's about Jesus. And we're taking that message of Jesus and we're just lifting it so high that everybody knows my life is about one thing. Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to be like John the Baptist, Lord, who denies himself, Lord, even when people come to provoke him and uh, to jealousy and see that more people are following somebody else than uh, following him, but they're still following the truth, Lord, that he, he stays with the stuff and he understands his position, he understands his purpose, and that was to get people to follow Jesus, to, to let them know who Jesus really is, and that they would follow him with their lives. And Lord, he did that. And Lord, help us to do the same. Lord, may, may it be written about us that our purpose in life was to make Jesus known and that people, because of our lives, would start following him. And Lord, if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that you will draw them to yourself. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.